morning again to all of you. It's great to see you this morning. Welcome to those who are in the chapel this morning, those online. Um, We are beginning our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Our theme is why we pray. And uh, we've done this. This is our 10th year to start the year with three weeks of focused prayer and fasting. And uh, as we were praying about this in the fall, about what we would thematically, how we would thematically approach this this year, um, we, we, we thought, you know what, a lot of people ask, what do you do and why do you do it? And so we're really uh, sort of centered around that. I want to begin this morning by just giving you a couple, uh, I'll say a couple, several uh, reasons why we do this. And to just quickly throw those up, guys, if you would. We uh, pray, our motivation for fasting and prayer is that God is worthy to be sought. If, if we had no more prayers that needed to be answered or he promised never to answer another prayer, the fact that he is holy and righteous and pure and glorious and powerful and wonderful is reason enough to get on our knees and say, oh God, we worship you. Amen? And so we do that based on that primarily. We need God more than anything else. How many of you believe that this morning? We need the Lord more than we need anything else. And I know that sometimes prayer is that sort of an afterthought or just a beforethought, but in reality, we, we want to launch the year with a, with a specific, focused effort around prayer. We want to remain totally reliant upon the Lord. If we're not careful, it's uh, easy for us to get going in the fall, thinking about the year, and we have to go into woe mode. Because we want to hit the ground running January 1 and, and, and what reality we need to do and we intentionally do to teach us to be reliant upon him is to say starting out of the gate in, in January, we're going to stop. We're going to start by stopping and stopping and saying, oh God, we are totally reliant upon you. The world often clutters our hearts and our devotion. Does anyone know that this morning? Especially when your favorite NFL team is continuing on in the playoffs, like the Colts are. I've successfully mentioned that in all three services now. God was good. I was flying home yesterday from a board meeting, and I landed in Chicago about 10 minutes before tip-off, and I was scheduled to leave, uh, and it would have been maybe in the third quarter, and they kept delaying my plane until the game was over, and they said, now we're boarding. And I was like, thank the Lord, that was a blessing. I don't ever like being delayed, but it was nice. The world often clutters our hearts in devotion. Sometimes we misunderstand fasting and prayer as our attempt to do something drastic to get God's attention. Actually, it's our attempt to do something drastic to get our own attention. We have God's attention. But it's the things of this life that clutter and distract us that keep us from having Uh, from him having our attention. We have great needs. Anybody here need God's supernatural power in 2019? So we stop and fast and pray. God has all the power to alter our circumstances and bring them in alignment to his will. And prayer unifies us as a church. When we are praying together, we are unified. When we are worshiping and praying and seeking the Lord, there's no better way to maintain unity in a church than to pray together. Not long ago, I was talking to a church staff that is in the middle of a big, uh, big challenge, and, uh, and I asked them the question, 
do you pray together every week? And they couldn't remember the last time they'd actually had a serious prayer together. Outside of gathering together and saying, let's open this meeting with a word of prayer. And somebody saying, Lord, help us, give us a good day, amen. Then they continue the fight. I'm talking about praying, worshiping the Lord together, studying the scripture together. And when we do that, we stay unified. So this morning, I want to take a little different approach uh, to this matter of our first Sunday. Uh, If you know how we approach it, I said it right there, God is worthy. That's the first thing we do when we pray is recognize his worthiness. He said in Matthew 6, when you pray, pray this way, our Father, hallowed be your name. And so we like to really focus on making the first part of our praying that. And I, I, I believe that, but I want to take a little different approach. Um, this, this little book that you're going to pick up, if you haven't already, says 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer. And I want to begin, I want to probe for a few minutes this morning this idea of spiritual breakthrough. Spiritual breakthrough. We hear that term around the church world uh, quite frequently. It's a little bit of a buzzword. It's also on this book that we're using that was recently published. And uh, it's, it's, you hear people say that, I'm praying for a breakthrough. And it's, it's a good word. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good phrase. And, and, and I'm praying for uh, the same thing and going to preach about it here for a couple minutes this morning. But, but I think it needs some clarification. Because what do we mean when we say... I'm praying for a spiritual breakthrough. As a matter of fact, as I began to study this, I realized that the term spiritual breakthrough itself does not actually appear in Scripture. Now, the concept of spiritual breakthrough is all over Scripture, but there's no verse that says, unto thee thou shalt discover spiritual breakthroughth. There's no verse like that. So what is this matter of spiritual breakthrough? So if I were to ask the question this morning, and and in a subcultural context, a pastor might get up and say, how many of you need a spiritual breakthrough? And we probably would all say, yeah, that's me. And and, and we might have similar or, or differing definitions of that. I would like to probe that for a few minutes this morning. Of course, as I said, the Bible is filled with the with the reality of spiritual breakthrough, and I think um, it would do us good to take a look this morning at a place where it's, it's, it's very evident. Go to Mark chapter 2 with me if you have your Bibles. I like the gospel of Mark because Mark was the short-winded preacher, unlike your pastor. It took, Luke, uh, took Matthew 28 chapters to get it all in, and Mark got it all in in 16. And uh, by chapter 2 of Mark, Jesus has already been born, raised, baptized, called his disciples, performed a bunch of miracles, and he's already back home from his first outreach. You know, you get to Luke chapter 2, Mary and Joseph haven't even got to the hospital yet. In Matthew chapter 2, the wise men are still on their way. But Mark chapter 2, we've already, Jesus is already, the kingdom of God is already at hand, as he said in chapter 1. And he is performed miracles, and he comes back in verse 1 of chapter 2. And when Jesus returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. You get the picture. And he was preaching the word to them. Wouldn't it have been cool to hear Jesus preach like that? Wow. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic Carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. 
And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus has a really interesting way of responding. And I love the way Jesus responds. Jesus is rarely predictable. He's rarely predictable. The people who carried this man did not expect him to say that. And the people who were sitting there, as we will see, certainly did not expect him to say, your sins are forgiven. In verse 6, now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. They knew what Isaiah 43 says. Isaiah 43 says only God can forgive sins. That ought to tell you something about who Jesus really is. Amen. They said, who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? He wasn't a body language expert. He was the Son of God who knows the thoughts and the intents of every human heart. And he said, what are you thinking that for? That had to be a surprise to them. Verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and he went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Maybe, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you four characteristics that give us a, 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 a succinct definition, that lead us to a succinct definition of spiritual breakthrough from this passage. But maybe we could do this just as starters. We could just say, maybe spiritual breakthrough for us could be defined as in 2019, We see the work of God in our life, and we say, God, I've never seen you do anything like this before. Wouldn't that be be a great year? That we would look and say, oh, God, would you do something that you've never done before in my life? And these verses were given biblical illustrations of what spiritual breakthrough actually looks like. This man had experienced this problem his entire life, and he realizes that that, that he realizes a breakthrough when in one day his life changed by the power of God. Here are four characteristics. Let me give them to you very quickly of spiritual breakthrough that I think have to be present for there to be spiritual breakthrough. And then I'm going to close by giving you the pathway. What are the, what are the steps to experiencing spiritual breakthrough? So characteristic number one, spiritual breakthrough always requires the presence of God. Jesus comes back to Capernaum, which was sort of a headquarter for him. He goes into a house. We don't know if it was his house or Peter's house or someone else's house, but he goes into a house. And the whole community begins to hear that he is there, and they begin to gather at this house. The Bible says that the house filled up with people even out the door so that you couldn't get in. There are four men in that town, in that area, that have a friend who is paralyzed and, and they decide, they hear that Jesus is in town. And, and this rabbi who's doing miraculous things has come back to Capernaum. And they get this man and they carry him to the house because they, they know 
that in order for there to be anything supernatural taking place, they have to get this man into the presence of this rabbi who has the power to do something supernatural. The key, listen to me, the key for 2019 being a year where you get to see God do something you've never seen him do before in your life is rooted in you and I living and dwelling in the presence of God. To use the figure of speech, to to figuratively speak of it in terms of this passage, we have to make sure we get to the house. Now, gratefully and thankfully this morning, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is living in you. But I got news for you. Not every person who is a Christian is living in submission and under full control of the abiding and indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to see God do something like He's never done before in your life, it begins by living and dwelling in the presence of God. This passage of Scripture and this story gives us sort of some indicators of Jesus' divinity and importance as to the reason why we really need to be in His presence. Number one, Jesus knows all the truth. The presence of God in your life will keep you from error. And the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Scripture says in verse number three that Jesus was teaching them the Word of God. These people had been raised in the church. They had a Bible from the Old Testament. They had the Old Testament law and the prophets. They studied that. They had gone to school on this stuff. And Jesus took it out of their hands and says, listen, you have learned and learned and learned. And you are farther from the truth than when you started. Let me teach you the real truth. And I believe this morning that if, if, if. Anything beautiful is going to happen in our life, it's going to be rooted in the reality that we're living in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit of God who knows all truth is teaching us. Amen? We need, can I just stop and say on 2019, first Sunday, we need to be spirit led in 2019. We need to have the Holy Spirit guiding our decisions and guarding our attitudes and guarding our behavior and guarding our tongue and guarding our motives and guarding our ambitions. We need, to, we need to get away from mediocre, nominal, cold, lukewarm Christianity and be men and women who dwell in the presence of God because he knows it all. He might just take your Bible out of your hands and say, let me tell you something you never figured out about this book. And he will teach us. Oh, we need to be taught by him. The scripture says that he was divine. He taught them. He taught them the word of God. The scripture tells us in this passage that his divinity is expressed because he he knew their faith and he knew their hearts. I mentioned that a moment ago. Aren't you glad that Jesus knows everything? Those four guys dropped that man down through the roof, which was that was the first sunroof in all of human history, I believe. They dropped this man down, lower him down. And Jesus looks up and says, wow, look at their faith. He saw their faith. The scribes are sitting there. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes are thinking in their heart. This man is blaspheming. Isaiah 43 says, no one forgives sin but God. And and, and Jesus says, I can tell what you're thinking right now in your heart. You want to know why you need to be in the presence of God in 2019? Because only God knows your faith, your heart, your mind, your ambition. He knows you're really going on in your life. Jesus has the power to forgive sin. If there's any reason you need to dwell in the presence of God, it's because you need the sanctifying, cleansing, forgiving power of God at work in your life all through 2019. 
This is his greatest expression of divinity, perhaps, in this whole, in this whole story. According to him, this was more powerful than making the man walk. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Can I tell you this morning, we need to live in the presence. If you're going to see spiritual breakthrough, it is rooted in living in the presence of God. And fourth, Jesus does what is seemingly impossible. He radically changed this man's circumstance. And this only happens when we are in the presence of God. Secondly, spiritual breakthrough is necessary for impossible circumstances When we talk about spiritual breakthrough, we are indicating that we have circumstances in our life that are beyond our ability to solve. In reading and studying a little bit about this idea of breakthrough, a lot of people write in terms of there's a wall, there's a mountain, there's a barrier, something has caused me to stop and I need a breakthrough, I need something to get me through this. All of us here this morning, if we were honest to ourselves, have, have issues and situations in our life and in our families that are beyond our ability to solve. I don't even need to say, is there anyone here like that? All of us this morning have situated, we have dreams and ambitions. We have goals and aspirations. We have hopes. We have relationships. We have children and grandchildren. We have financials. We have jobs. We have futures. We have all of these things that are beyond our ability. The good news is that if you have something that is beyond your ability to solve, you are a ripe candidate for a spiritual breakthrough, according to Jesus. They brought a paralytic man to him. I, since you love to learn Greek when you come to church this morning, I, throw, I put one on the screen. It's a Greek word, paralutikos, which means, and this is from the lexicon, suffering from the relaxing of the nerves, universally disabled, weak of limb. This man was paralyzed. In that day, that was a, a very, very, very difficult thing. You were looked down upon as a society. Your family set you out by the road each day and you had to beg. You were guaranteed to be poor. You were 100% dependent on everyone else and your future was hopeless. You lived in excruciating pain. There was no medical treatment and there was no relief for you. This man had a problem that was completely 100% beyond any human solution. But did you know that Jesus specializes in doing things that man cannot do? And somebody this morning needs to know that whatever you're facing in 2019, it is not too big for God. It is not too big for God. Thirdly, spiritual breakthrough is always internal before it is visible. These people thought by looking at this man, they knew what his problem was. It's in this story that Jesus does something very interesting. How many of you know that Jesus knows what's really going on in my life? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bashful about telling the Lord what I think his solutions ought to be. And I think that's okay. I think he wants us to be really just honest and open. And I, I've given him some really good advice over the years. <laughs> he rarely takes it. Because you know what the Lord knows? The Lord knows my heart. And Jesus, they lowered a man and every, every person in that room thought they knew what this man's biggest problem was. But only Jesus said, what they saw a cripple, Jesus saw a sinner. And before he would deal with what they thought were his biggest problem, Jesus dealt what was 
for sure his biggest problem, and Jesus forgave him of his sin. Many people want the power of God to alter their circumstances without the power of God altering them. But I can, I can rest assured this morning, if you're, if you're seeking God and setting out some things in 2019, that, Lord, I'm really seeking you, can I tell you that the work of God is first and foremost going to be, begin within you. And the work of God, the spiritual breakthrough is always internal before it is visible. One of the things that we talk about as a staff when we're doing stuff and it's not working or we're struggling or we're failing, I always say, what is the Lord doing in us? What We're saying, Lord, fix this. Lord, help us to do this. Lord, accomplish this. Lord, do this. And if it's not working, we always turn it internally and say, what is the Lord teaching us? What is the Lord wanting us to do? And here's the deal. Don't waste a lot of time asking God to do some glorious miracle if you're not willing to let God forgive you and cleanse you and set you free from your sin. Don't waste a lot of time seeking God for some glamorous healing or some glamorous thing if you're not letting God do the work deep within your heart that really needs to get done. Amen? Because spiritual breakthrough is not just about some elaborate miracle that everybody goes, woo, look at that. Spiritual breakthrough is about aligning you and your circumstances to the will of God. And God will do His work And God will do mighty things and miraculous things, but he always begins in the places that need it most. Spiritual breakthrough is, after all, spiritual breakthrough. These people also misunderstood which was the most powerful thing. Was it more powerful to forgive his sin, Jesus said, or to cause him to walk? They thought causing him to walk was the biggest deal. Jesus said, no, no, no. Jesus started where it mattered most. He prioritizes our needs in this story by reminding us that our greatest need is for him to work within us before he works on those things that are most visible to us. Throughout the time of prayer and fasting and throughout this entire year, I am praying that the work of God will begin in me and in you so that God will change our hearts, our motives, and our dispositions so that he can then trust us with some glorious miracle that he wants to perform. In in John chapter 6, I'm reminded of that story in John chapter 6 where Jesus fed the multitudes. And the scripture says he fed those 5,000 people and it says he went across and the next day a bunch of them hurried around and they came across the lake and they met him. And they said, hey Jesus, it's us again. And he says something very interesting. He says, you did not seek me because the will of God. You sought me because you ate the loaves and the fishes. And if you go, that's the middle of John chapter 6. And if you go to the end of John chapter 6, some of the saddest words in all of Scripture, it says that many walked away and followed him no more. Why? Because they loved the miracle. Woo! This guy's passing out Big Macs. The next day, Jesus, it's lunchtime. And he said, you sought me for the miracles, didn't you? And this is, God, you know Christ can do miracles and change things and radically transform things, but he wants to begin by radically transforming us from the inside out. Spiritual breakthrough, fourthly, results in dramatic change that brings glory to God. So when you put these four characteristics together, verse 12 rather says, and we read it, they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we've never seen anything like this before. 
when you take these characteristics and put them together, here's, a, here's sort of a succinct Eastlake definition of spiritual breakthrough. Spiritual breakthrough is God supernaturally changing me and my impossible circumstances for his glory. God supernaturally changing me and my circumstances for his glory. A lot of times we pray stuff, Lord, I just, we're praying for human relief. And that's good. God's blessings bring human relief in, in those moments. But what God is really trying to do is change us and our impossible circumstances so somehow through that he can receive the glory, the gospel can be expanded, and the kingdom of God will go forth in the world. So if I'm just seeking something from the Lord to make my life more comfortable or I'm full of ideas on how the Lord ought to alter the earth so as to make all the things in my life more, more uh, a blessing to me and, and, and less a pain to me, I need to understand that that's not God's purpose. God's purpose is to change whatever he changes so that it brings it in alignment to his will and it brings glory to him. And it's all, his glory is always our good. His glory is always our good. If there's anything, anyone here that, is there anyone here, rather, that needs that? It always begins with him. What if this became the description for each of us this year? What is it you're praying God will help you break through? What are you praying, God, will you give me a breakthrough in this area? You have to have God. You have to have a big problem. You have to know that he's going to work internally and you know that he's going to bring power and deliver. Well, Lord, what, what big area? In verses 3 and 4, this passage, this story gives us a little path, what I call a pathway to spiritual breakthrough. Look at it with me as we close. The pathway to spiritual breakthrough is, first of all, make the pursuit of Jesus your highest aim in 2019. You get close to Jesus, you get close to power. You get close to Jesus, you get close to healing. You get close to Jesus, you get close to wisdom. You get close to Jesus. Uh, uh, Brian and Jennifer Enman's son, who's now married, years ago, he, several years ago, he was here as a college student, and I said to him one day, I said, uh, Blake, you, you uh, dating anybody? And he was like a senior in college. I'm like, you, you get, I was kind of, he, was, he was going on a mission trip. I'm, I'm just sort of being nosy. I'm like, you got like a girl? And he told me something. This college senior gave me some of the best wisdom I'd ever heard. Uh, he impressed me. We gave him a good offering after that. But anyways, he said, here's the way I look at it. No, I don't have a girlfriend. He said, I, I'm just pursuing Jesus. And I realize that someday, while I'm chasing Jesus, I'm going to look over and there's going to be a really cute girl chasing Jesus. And I'll say, hey, you want to chase him together? <laughs> what a great, what a great picture, Amen. Make pursuing Jesus your highest aim. Don't make pursuing fixing your kid or fixing, pursue. When you got Jesus, you got the stuff you need. Be bold in your request. They brought a paralytic to Jesus. And they didn't say, Lord, would you say say a little prayer for him? Lord, will you bless him? Just touch him, Lord. They weren't vague and unambitious they were bold they said we're taking the roof off and this dude needs to walk we need this man to walk what would your bold prayer sound like in 2019 
What would your bold prayer sound like in 2019? You know, I, I, I read it this week. Actually, it's in this little book. In one of the opening chapters, he says, we often, because of our lack of faith, we often pray prayers that we know we can answer ourselves if God doesn't. And that's not an exact quote, but it's something. He said, our prayers are small enough so that we're not disappointed if God doesn't answer. And if need be, we can answer them ourselves. What is your bold prayer in 2019? Thirdly, Understand the role of intercession. The scripture says that this man was carried by four men. This might be the most important thing I'll say all morning. There are some people and circumstances that will never get themselves to Jesus. We have to rally around them and carry to him, carry them to him in prayer. We have to intercede. We have to take him to the Lord in prayer. Who is depending upon you in 2019? Who is depending upon you in 2019? Don't mind these young ladies, they're fine. Who's depending upon you in 2019? Who's depending upon you? Who in your life that is waiting on you to pick them up and carry them? That's intercession. I, I made a list. Don't have time this morning, but I made a list of all the places, several of the places in the Gospels where, where the faith of this person resulted in the blessing for this person. The faith of this person resulted in the blessing of this person. Who is counting on you in 2019? Don't underestimate intercession here. Had this man not had four friends, and a lady who works in the healthcare industry told me after a service this morning, it's amazing he had friends. In that day, it was difficult. But he had four friends who cared enough about him to get him into the presence of Jesus. Who's counting on you this morning? What circumstances wait? What circumstances waiting on your persistence and your intercession? And finally, do not give up when it seems impossible. They got to the house, they couldn't get in, and they said, That doesn't matter. We're getting in. And they did something drastic. They took the roof off. <laughs> they took, it was a flat roof, that culture and architecture with a flat roof. There, it would have been a place where people went. But they took tiles up, undoubtedly. And these tiles opened that, and they dropped this man down. You say, well, I don't want to get radical in this praying. Let me tell you something. The de- devil's real radical in trying to destroy your kids and to destroy, try to destroy your marriage and trying to mess up this world. The devil, take, he don't hold back. And we think, now I lay me down to sleep, it's going to get it done. No, it's not. We're going to have to take the roof off in some cases. We're going to have to be persistent. we got to pray. We get to the end of January, prayer and fasting. We're going to be grateful that the fasting's over. We get back on Facebook or whatever you're doing. And we say, well, Lord, why didn't you answer my prayer? We're going to keep praying in February. And you get to, well, Lord, I'm still, we're going to pray in March and April and May and June. And we're going to keep praying and we're going to keep praying. We're going to be persistent. We're not going to let up. You know what? That's how you see a spiritual breakthrough. There are people sitting in this room. There's people part of East Lake and people that you know. And you could tell the story that situations and circumstances were hopeless. But somebody held on in prayer. Somebody prayed. They continued to pray. And God delivered in God's time. Amen. 
Anybody need a spiritual breakthrough this morning? The supernatural power of God to alter our circumstances and our lives? I need that this morning. Would you stand with me this morning and pray? So, Lord, we just bow before you. Lord, I'm praying as we begin this time of prayer and fasting that this sermon will be more than words we hear on a Sunday morning. But, Lord, that it would be the reality. It would be the reality in our heart and in our life that we are going to be passionate pursuers of you and your will. Lord, I don't know what, what huge obstacle lays ahead this morning of the congregation that is here. I don't know what's laying ahead of them. But Lord, you do. And I know that your power today is no less than it was in the story in Mark chapter 2, that your indwelling presence is with us and that you have all power, Lord, to rescue our lost children. You have all power to redeem marriages. You have all power to break down a huge financial barriers that are in people's lives. You have all power, Lord, to heal people and strengthen people, to rescue those who are lost in sin. You have all power, and we're just going to confess on the first Sunday that we believe it, we're committed to it, and we're going to continue to seek your will to be done. Oh, God, we want to see spiritual breakthrough in our lives, in our church, in our families this year. Lord, I pray for the one who's most uh, uh, acutely touched by this this word this morning because of the thing that's in their life that's so serious Lord I pray for them this morning Lord fan the spark of flame in their soul and may they believe again may they believe again this morning that you can and you want to work and you will work and may they begin to seek you and pursue you and allow you to do the work in them so that you can do the work for them we pray oh Lord we trust you this morning we give this year to you and we depend upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Eastlake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform at Eastlake SML. Thanks for joining us.